KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. All right, so Brian, uh, what exactly are we talking about today? What are, what are we? What are we running? What are we running down on the rundown today? Great question, Jay. You know, we've got a, a couple, couple options, couple irons in the fire as far as topics are concerned. We've been talking about end of year stuff, right? Do we want to do kind of a, a recap of something that's been going on in twenty twenty one? I mean, we're surely going to talk about COVID at some point. We're going to talk about year in, in the city and politics. What do people, what do we, what can we get a big group in to talk about? What topics are, we have a lot of people who are interested in. Cooking. Cooking is Cooking. good. I mean, you know me, I'm always down to talk about sports. Sports. Yeah, that's, that's an option. We could certainly, I mean, it's been an amazing, very strange year in Philadelphia sports, needless to say. We got all sorts of things we could talk about. Sports-wise, if you guys are up for it. What do you think, Sabrina? Do you have any takes? Any thoughts? Oh, you, you can do sports. You know, um, I actually have a bunch of other podcasts <laughs> to produce. So if you don't need me, you sure I'm now because gonna, we, I'll, I'll head out. we know you can contribute. I mean, it's... Can it's I? Can I, Jay? Sort of. Yeah, I guess you're right about that, aren't you? <laughs> you boys have your fun. I'll be back tomorrow. Okay. Let's get down to business on the rundown. 2021 is almost over, so we're just going to have a big old roundtable with our entire KYW News Radio sports crew. Hopefully, we don't cringe or lament or just think back to some of the not-so-nice moments that Philadelphia sports had this year, and we might even have something to actually kind of smile about. Well, that maybe, maybe not. We'll find out as we go along here as we go back through the year of 2021 in Philadelphia sports on this edition of The Rundown. In order to do that, we couldn't just simply have Brian and I in here. We had to bring the entire crew together. We're starting first with KYW's Matt Leon, who handles a multitude of things involving sports, including doing his own podcast one-on-one with Matt Leon that you hear on the Odyssey app. Matt, welcome back once again. Good to be with you. We're also joined by Dave Uram, who handles sports for us Every day you hear him, every morning, as much as possible here on KYW News Radio. He was just here last week for that great podcast we did on Dick Allen. Dave, thanks for coming back to join us today. Jay, happy to be back. And for once, I'm not the only Jay in the room. I'd like to welcome in Jay Sorgi. He's the, he handles uh, so much with our social media and on our website, and he is one of the single largest historians of sports for the state of Wisconsin anybody has ever seen. He joins us for the first time on the rundown. Jay, thank you so much for coming in with us and stepping from behind the computer screen to, to set in with us today. I appreciate that this is going to be fun. This is a lot of fun, and here we are at the end of the year, and to be honest, rather than me quarterbacking this thing, because I clearly will always have a lot to say about this, I'm going to let Brian take over the the, the captain's chair. I'm going to let Brian get under center <laughs> on this thing and, and take over on this. Brian, you get us started in here. I feel like for better or worse, I'm not a real take man or opinion man. I think I probably play the role of traffic cop a little bit better, and I feel like you, Jay, are going to have some great insights to add to this particular topic. So guys, why don't we start here? I'm going to ask you to sum up the year in Philadelphia sports in a single word or phrase. Matt Leon, lead us off. Honestly, if you deconstruct it, I think it's on brand. We had quarterback controversies, weird (laughs) things happening with the Sixers, people complaining about the Phillies and, and their moves. You know, you could say disappointing and stuff, but for me, it's a lot of the things we've come to love and get used to in this city. All right. I think we can wrap it there. No need to continue. (laughs) (laughs) Dave Uram, what about you? 
So I had a final four, and then I chose a winner eventually in the end. So at first I thought of alarming, because none of the teams are really championship contenders right now. So I came up with alarming first, but I thought it's a little bit too dramatic. Uh, Dismal, which is obvious, because the four teams... Um, and, you know, no disrespect to the Union. They had a very, very good season. But in terms of the four teams that have been around the longest, uh, Dismal, I think, is a good way to describe them right now. The Flyers are near the bottom of the standings. The Eagles are going through a retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the 76ers are not where they're supposed to be in terms of their quote-unquote process. Brian knows a lot about that. And then the Phillies are on a 10-year playoff drought. So I came up with this word after disappointing, which is obviously obvious because none of the teams are winners right now in terms of championship contenders. Underachieving is the word I'm going with. Underachieving, not necessarily because I, you know, I expected the Eagles to be a legit playoff contender or an NFC East champion contender. Underachieving because the Phillies are on that 10-year drought and it's time for that drought to end underachieving because the Flyers should not be in every other year deal with making the playoffs or near the bottom of the standings, which is what they are right now, or miss the playoffs like they did last year, and underachieving because the 76ers were the number one seed in the East for the first time in 20 years. They had an excellent home record throughout the regular season, as has been the trend for them in recent seasons. And then all of a sudden, when that second round playoff series came around with the Atlanta Hawks, their home dominance went away. They reverted back to things that you feared they would. And they had massive collapses in multiple games, which culminated with the Game 7 loss to the Hawks. And once again, failure to make the Eastern Conference Final, this time as the number one seed. Philadelphia sports had an underachieving year. I feel like for so long we've tried as a city, as a town, as a populace to shed that description. But thus, here we are as we head into 2022. I want to say, J.S., you're up next, but I can't even say that. <laughs> Let's go to Jay Sorgi. You can call me Sorgi if you want. If oh, that okay. All right. Noted. <laughs> this year, as someone who comes from the outside looking in and having come to Philadelphia for the first time and made this my home, I get a maybe a little bit different view, perhaps. I haven't gone through as much of the angst as what these local teams have gone through for so many times. I guess, to me, it's not necessarily a word, but sort of a picture, if you will. I feel like Philadelphia sports has gone through another storm in the middle of the night. And we're not yet at sunrise yet to see what could come from the waters of the storm. Because there has been some investment that you could say has been happening with so many of these different teams. You're seeing the slow growth and the growing pains of the Eagles under a first-year coach with some fantastic new talent. But were the seeds planted right there with Jalen Hurts, with Devontae Smith, and what could certainly come of this team? Has Howie Roseman toiled the soil well enough to start seeing if something can grow and become championship quality. Trust the process. As you described so well, uh, Dave, earlier, there was a reason not to this year. But perhaps there could still be some things that can come from this. We're going to talk a little bit about about this with what may happen post-Ben Simmons. 
and will Philadelphia grow there? Um, you described the flyer situation, obviously very well, Dave. And with the Phillies, it feels like there's been this continual process of not yet necessarily growing the way that it should. A stormy year with playoff hopes that didn't come to fruition again. And when does the dawn come? When does the dawn come for the city as one of these teams finally becomes a true contender and gets to where these passionate sports fans want them to go? I think that's a great way to put it. Short term, definitely a lot of sting right now in the city. But long term, maybe, just maybe, we're not quite sold on some things, but there could be reason for optimism. Jay Scott Smith, your thoughts? The word I use is unstable. It's the best way I can try to describe it. I break down each of these four teams, and yes, shout out to the union. The union got torpedoed by COVID, which is just, that is, that, that's almost Shakespearean to get to the point where they were and then have COVID come in days beforehand, wipe out 11 players, and then the team that beats them then goes on to win the championship a week later in Portland. That's, that, that's rough right there. But to get to the big four, the main four, no team made me more irritated because I'm a baseball guy than to watch that Phillies bullpen give away game after game after game after game after game early in the year. When you look at how that the back end of the season panned out, where they briefly had the run, took the Mets out of first, took over first place for, what was it, three, four days before Atlanta leapfrogs them and ends up running to a world title. Everything's unstable for the Flyers, where they have just kind of fallen off the table. The Eagles, to me... I know that they're six and seven, and no Eagle fan is going to ever look at six and seven as a good thing. They could still conceivably end up in the postseason. Yeah, they'd probably be cannon fodder for whoever the number two seed is, but they could end up in the postseason in a year where they're not really expected to do anything. With Jalen Hurts, a quarterback who's I think is pretty good. It's weird because the staff is still figuring things out. To be where they are, there's all sorts of instability surrounding that, and that's not even considering the silly quarterback controversy that has been contrived over two weeks. See, this gets me going off on another tangent here. The word for Philadelphia sports is unstable. It's it, it can be maddening at times. Each one of these teams has had a moment where I have just said, are you bleeping serious? What are you doing? Do you understand that you have it right here? The Sixers, I will never get off of the fact that the Sixers had a series that they should have won in five, arguably could have swept that they lost in seven games and blew unconscionably large leads. I don't know how I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. It was one of the great collapses ever in the history of Philadelphia sports, especially that game five. That game five felt like the 2002-03 NFC Championship game with the Eagles and the Bucks at the Vet. That's what that felt like. And, and Brian, to piggyback off of what Jay just said about the union— the union kind of fit the bill for Philadelphia sports in a sense. Hit with really unfortunate bad luck. Really unfortunate bad luck. And that, so that's what happens sometimes with Philadelphia sports. So, you know, for anybody who thinks that the union are not a Philadelphia sports team, and I forget where I saw this. I saw it on Twitter somewhere. They are. They got hit with very unfortunate bad luck in the, before the biggest game of their franchise's history. And if they would have won that game, Jay's right. They might have won a championship. 
and then we'd be talking about them a lot. And perhaps, guys, we should have known, perhaps in the earliest weeks of 2021, that this would be a year of change. Jay, like you said, instability, that would be a recurring theme because at the end of the month of January 2021, the Philadelphia Eagles made their coaching change official, bringing in Nick Sirianni to take over the Birds. And he's provided us with a new presence in town in terms of football leadership and also a couple of very memorable sound bites. I'm always thinking of different messages to give to the team. Um, that either messages that I think that really fit to the situation um, from another head coach or that I've that from my dad or whatever. And so that was my message today because uh, we are going through tough times and everybody wants to see results. Keep watering, keep and, and look at yourself first and, and know if are you are you watering and are you fertilizing every day. So when it's time to pop, it'll pop. We'll turn things over to Matt Leon. I'll ask you to put on your gardening gloves, get your hoe, your rake, dig into the soil. Matt, where would you rank? Nick Sirianni being hired by the Eagles in terms of the biggest sports stories of the year. Oh, I think it's at the top. The whole Peterson being fired because there's so many. Well, first of all, it's the biggest story with the most popular team by far in the city. And it has all kinds of ripple effects because you tie in Carson Wentz with this and, you know, the, the consistent uh, drumbeat for people wanting a change with Howie Roseman making the decisions. But it was amazing to me when I was digging into this, when they fired Doug Peterson on January 7th of this of 2021, it had not been three years since the Super Bowl win. That is an incredibly short amount of time for this thing to go as far south as it did. I mean, there was a statue put outside the stadium of <laughs> Doug Peterson. Yes. And less than three years. He is out. And I mean, they were terrible in 2020. They weren't just, you know, a four win team. They were, they probably looked worse than that. When you watch the games, there was a complete lack of talent. There was a, a complete lack of, of chemistry, a complete lack of plan. It was difficult, difficult to watch them play last year. So to just see it bottom out so quickly and to move on from Doug Peterson you know, you know, less than a presidential term away from when he won the first and only Super Bowl in this town is really huge. And they bring in Nick Sirianni. And I think early on Sirianni's first year, it's been mixed. There have been some missteps. There have been some poor decisions, in my opinion. But on the other end, they are a better team now, I think, than they were two months ago. They are in playoff contention. We can argue, should they be? Is it more an indictment of the NFL? But they very much have more than a puncher's chance to, to play playoff football. And if you could do that in the first year of a, a head coach, that's a good thing. But it's just, it, it's still, even to this point, is amazing to me how quickly the fortunes turned where the Eagles went from Super Bowl champions and in less than three years, fired the coach who helped make that happen. Not only that, they were a playoff team the two years after they went to the Super Bowl. They missed the playoffs one year. They had one really bad season, and that led to the firing of their only, only Super Bowl winning coach in the history of their franchise. The guy who brought the, the, the chairman, the CEO, Jeffrey Lurie, who has said that he is obsessed with winning Super Bowls, plural, and this is before he won any, Super Bowls. That guy brought him a Super Bowl. 
with a trick play in the Super Bowl on fourth down, with a backup quarterback, with a team that had the theme of underdogs. And like Matt said, less than three years after he won that game, he's no longer the coach of the Eagles. It probably fits to the theme of unstable. It's so remarkable, yet I still don't know if it's the story of the year, and it's remarkable. I think the story of the year is the fall from grace of two saviors. These, these, these players were deemed saviors of their franchises. Two popular players. Two players picked one and two in their respective drafts. And if, if I'm not mistaken, ben, ben was picked in 2016, right? Right, Brian? Ben was to, both taken in 2016 in Philadelphia. Ben won. Carson Wentz, too. Both with lengthy contracts. Wentz's extension had not begun yet. Ben had four, has four years, $147 million left on his deal heading into this season that they're currently in. And both of those players, Wentz already traded on the Indianapolis Colts, and Ben Simmons with this unprecedented saga that he's in right now at the Philadelphia 76ers. Both of those players are not only either out of Philadelphia or very likely out of Philadelphia. Both are very unpopular in Philadelphia after being the, uh, one of the athletes, after being an athlete that was considered part of the athletes that are the toast of the town. And it all happened in 2021. Ben goes back to that very bad playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks. Do you feel like you played your last few minutes here in Philadelphia? I feel like we just lost game seven. Um, that's about it. Would you like just to remain in Philadelphia? Pardon? Would you like to remain in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, I love being in Philly. You know, I love this organization. Uh, the fans are great, great people. I mean, I had a bad series. I expect that. It's Philly. To me, I don't think, I can't think of a time in Philadelphia sports where there's ever been a year where two athletes who who, if you have kids, you would feel comfortable buying the kid their jerseys because you figured that they'd be around forever. And both of them could be traded in the same season. With, with years left on their contract, in their 20s, that's remarkable to me. Amazing fall from grace, Dave, as you said. It's still staggering. And I'd forgotten that both... Simmons and Wentz were picked up in 2016. There was so much that happened, obviously, on the field, on the court, between the lines, whatever you want to say. But I think that we've seen over the last year and a half, reflecting on what's going on in society in general, there are plenty of compelling stories taking place off the field of play, what some of these athletes are doing with their respective platforms, not just in terms of their activism, but also, at least here in Philadelphia, who we're hearing tell us our stories about some of our favorite sports teams. How pretty is that? The wait is finally over, Sixers fans. Basketball is back. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the floor here at the center. Uh, Mark Zumoff looks different all of a sudden. Uh, hi there, everyone. My name is Kate Scott, and I am so honored and just incredibly pleased to be sitting where Mark's at for 27 years and looking forward to having a whole lot of fun with this guy and hopefully all of you for a very long time. Ollie. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you. Allow me on behalf okay. of everyone. Okay, Byron Sam. Harry Callis, Merrill Reese, Mark Zumoff, Kate Scott. One of these things is not like the other. And yet we are seeing this as a reflection of change in society today. 
to have her as the second ever NBA voice, really tied for first with Lisa Byington of the Milwaukee Bucks as the first ever in the NBA to be a full-time play-by-play voice who is a woman. And it speaks to the further acceptance of women in a world that, I mean, if you look at the fact that the four of us, five of us we're talking here, we're all guys in a, in a sports world that has been so male dominated. It is further a reflection of the change and the good changes that are happening, the opportunities that are happening. You know what? A woman can be the best at something in the world of sports that is a male sport. It's time. It's time. And that is just one example of the social change that is being reflected in sports. Another thing that we saw this year, the Lane Johnson story and his bravery in sharing his mental health journey and to have him come forward, share his vulnerabilities, share his issues, share his challenges, share what was going on. You don't know what kind of difference that can make in someone's life, especially in this incredible spotlight that we put in the world of sports. That kind of example can help heal someone. And we're speaking so much more about the need for our own personal mental health. That may have made so much more change in someone else's life than Lane Johnson will ever see. That was another piece. And then the journey of Carl Nassib, which has another related piece to it because of the trauma that he has gone through as a gay person playing football, the ultimate macho sport in our society. Mm-hmm. West Mifflin's Carl Nassib becoming the first openly gay player on an active roster to have that acceptance finally come in the National Football League. I mean, again, another step that was taken. These are the types of things that make the greatest change within our society, even if they're not the things that maybe mentally we're going to remember in 2021. And this is going to sound cliched, but it speaks to the larger purpose of sports, which is how you're able to leverage a platform, and that might sound too transactional, but utilize a platform to do good for the athletes that really understand their role, their presence, where they fit in the grand scheme of everything, how, Jay, they can use their platform to bring more awareness to certain issues. And the things that Jay was talking about, I mean, listen, there's certain things that well-paid athletes, when you make a lot of money, that having a lot of money can make your life easier with certain conveniences. But at the end of the day, you know, they've got the same human core and elements that a lot of us do. And on the emotional side, there's certain things that no amount of money, I would think, can make up for and make easier. And when it comes to some of those issues that Jay alluded to, they're going through it and dealing with it and trying to manage as best as the everyday person. No, it, it, it says a lot there. We've reached a point in the sports world where speaking up about certain things, being your true self in the case of Carl Nassib and a number of athletes who are who, who've chosen to come out and be more of themselves, speak up for certain causes. This has been the last two years really has been a part of that entire renaissance when it comes to where we are in sports. Of all the things we've talked about of the biggest sports story of the year, it, you would think in a year where a guy wins MVP that that would be one of the major stories. Uh, man, I'm just uh... – I'm overwhelmed for sure. You know, I'm, uh, you know, this year was tough. You know, starting off, you know, getting hit in the face. Um, you know, I gotta thank, uh, 
you know, my teammates, um, the city of Philadelphia, our fans. Yeah, I'm going to bring up Bryce Harper because of the season that he had, just numbers-wise, where in the, just this year for the Phillies, he hits 309, hits 35 home runs, leads the National League in doubles with 42, leads the league in slugging percentage 615, leads the league in OPS at one uh, 1,044. He had an OPS with runners in scoring position of 1,149 which is the most by Phillies player since Mike Schmidt in 1981. He had an absolutely dominant season, and he's about six pegs down the ladder because of everything else that has gone on here. A couple other things that got kind of get kind of lost in the sauce this year. Don Staley, Philadelphia native, who's the head coach of University of South Carolina. She got a gold medal this year coaching the women's basketball team in the Olympics. And that's just kind of tossed aside because of just everything else that we've had happen here. When we mentioned Kate Scott, and, and you go, I go through Don Staley there. There are so many cool stories this year. Yet at the same time, we've got a guy who was drafted number one overall in 2016, making a ton of money, and he refuses to play. And that is like the shadow that hangs over everything else with the good and the bad and the weird and the uplifting that we've had this year. Ben Simmons is still the thing. I laid out all of Bryce Harper's accomplishments this year, and he's fifth on the list because we still talk about Ben Simmons. I agree with Jay that this is the year, while Wentz and Ben Simmons things kind of go in the same hand, this is the year of Ben Simmons, and the Simmons story hits so many different angles. Uh, The first is somebody who has extraordinary talent, but there's one little flaw to his ta- to his game to his repertoire that everybody criticizes but he's so incredibly talented beside that but the one little thing is leads to all this criticism whether you agree with it, agree with it or not and that's his inability to shoot unwillingness to shoot whatever have you and it goes to show sometimes that perfection is demanded whether it should or should not be the Ben Simmons issue also covers the issue of mental health because he told his teammates reportedly that he's not mentally ready to play. His agent told the athletic that the way that the Sixers are handling this indicated to the athletic that that is affecting Ben's mental health. So this issue with Ben Simmons covers mental health. It covers falling from grace. It covers popularity. It covers perfection. It covers so many different angles of things. And it also covers how difficult it is, whether or not this has anything to do with it, because we don't know because we haven't heard from Ben Simmons. It also covers how difficult it is or how not difficult it is to play in Philadelphia. Jason Kelsey said it was easy to play in Philadelphia. And in the end, In the end, this is what I hope. In the end, I hope that there is a reasonable solution, whether he's traded or not. And frankly, in the end, I just want to see him back on the basketball court. Because in the end, he's a great player. He's a really, really good player. Amen to that, Mr. Uram. We've got a lot more coming up on our year-end sports roundtable review here on The Rundown, such as... What are some of the most underrated, under-discussed stories in Philadelphia sports? That's coming up right after this. We know 
down the hall from KYW News Radio, what topics, and we've talked about this, move the needle at WIP, that sort of thing. But there are also a handful of storylines taking place in our backyard that get swept under the rug, might not get the publicity or coverage they deserve, like, oh, by the way, <laughs> just outside the city limits, there's a guy who's won two national titles with the college basketball team that got enshrined in a Hall of Fame. I'm humbled and honored to be a part of this prestigious class. To the legends in the Hall of Fame, I am forever grateful for this enshrinement, and I'm humbled to be joining you all. Matt Lee, and I'm going to sound like a shill, but I say it because it's true. No one uncovers the good stories that people aren't talking about in sports quite like you. So let us have you begin this topic. Underrated sports stories that were not given enough pub in 2021. Well, Jay Ray going into the Hall of Fame, and I think it just speaks to, I don't know, as much coverage as Villanova will get, you know, in February and March. I don't know that we appreciate what we've kind of had the front row to see here and what Jay Wright has done with that Villanova program. That Villanova program is now in that same breath of Duke, North Carolina, Kansas. And Jay Wright probably has the best job in America, does one of the best jobs in America. He's got a program that's won two national titles, one with a finish that was one of the greatest college basketball finishes ever with the Chris Jenkins three. And then their second title where they just, you know, marauded their way to the, to the championship without being really challenged. Uh, It, we really, I just hope everybody appreciates what we're getting the chance to see here uh, because you're seeing an elite college basketball program year in and year out and Jay Wright getting into the Hall of Fame, I kind of just use it as a vehicle for people to appreciate the incredible job that has been done on the main line. Sticking with college basketball, a legend announced his retirement, uh, Herb McGee at Jefferson University, uh, who has won more than 1,100 games, Division II Jefferson. And what makes Herb McGee so amazing is not just the success he's had, He started as a player at Philadelphia Textile. That's what Jefferson was back in the day, and then it becomes Philadelphia University. He came to Textile in 1959. Dwight Eisenhower was president (laughs) when Herb McGee (laughs) showed up on campus, and he's been there ever since. First as a player, then as an assistant, and then as a head coach. It's an incredible level of excellence. He's a Hall of Famer records banners everywhere he will be retiring at the end of this season so it'll go into 2022 and i'm sure there'll be a lot of attention paid as he coaches his final games but uh just an amazing career and we got word that it will be coming to an end uh this year and then one other college basketball thing i thought it was really cool because drexel because of the big five and then you got drexel drexel often gets squeezed out in a lot of college basketball conversations The men's and women's teams this year for Drexel both won their conference tournaments, the CAA, and went to the NCAA tournament. And I thought it was really cool that even if just for a few days, Drexel was at the top of the mountain locally uh, getting talked about with regards to college basketball. And I just thought that was a really cool accomplishment, and I'll throw it under this umbrella as well. To me, it seems like Herb McGee, he's a guy who just doesn't age. I feel like he's looked the same age. He sounded the same, same level of enthusiasm. Forever. And he coaches the same way. His, yeah. his guy, he go, throws his guys out there. They play 38, 39 minutes. They win, punch the clock, and move on. It's really, really amazing what that 
you know, when you dig into those numbers and that, that longevity and that success. It's incredible. Jay Scott Smith. So I brought her name up earlier. I go to Dawn Staley where she's the head coach at the University of South Carolina women's basketball team. She also served as the women's national coach, winning a gold medal in the postponed Olympics that took place this year but are listed as 2020. She becomes the first person to win the Naismith Award as both a coach and a player. As you forget, she was an incredible player. And she manages to do all this in the same year that her mentor passes away. This just in to KYW News Radio. And Temple basketball coaching legend John Chaney has died. KYW's Paul Kurtz joins us live with more on the passing of a giant in Philadelphia sports. Yeah, Jay, you said the word. Uh, check Twitter today, and all you see popping up time and time again is, uh, is legend. Accolades and RIPs are pouring in from all over the country for John Janey, who had several coaching stops during his illustrious career, but he actually carved his legend at Temple University. 17 trips to the NCAA tournament, five appearances. And when you, when you think about the loss of John Janey and to think who could be kind of carrying that mantle in his honor, most people don't think because of just the attitudes toward women in sports, as we mentioned earlier, Kate Scott, that you don't think of Dawn Staley. But at her, just looking at her accolades as a coach, not even get into what she did as a player. I got that in front of me right here. She won the NCAA tournament in 2017, beat UConn in the process. She's been to the Final Four three times, including this year, 2021. South Carolina got to the they, they got to the women's Final Four. They won the SEC tournament six times. She was Coach of the Year 2020, AP National Coach of the Year 2020, SEC Coach of the Year four times, won the A-10 championship when she was coaching at Temple while playing in the WNBA. She's kind of an unsung hero in this year of so many different things in Philadelphia sports. And I just thought about how she spoke so passionately when John Cheney died and when she came back up here for his funeral, that that was that that was her guy. Didn't she wear the classic quintessential John Cheney garb on the sideline not long after Cheney passed? Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's a great image. Uh, it's fantastic. So it's just I wanted to make sure I got that in there too. I think you dive in perfectly to what I was going to be bringing up, especially with the Olympic Games. Talking about Don Staley as the head coach of a gold medal winning team. There's this thing called the Olympics that happened this year. And it gets buried under all the other stories that we've talked about so far. I think it sort of went off people's radar a bit because it was pandemic delayed. Because it was without fans in Tokyo. In an entire situation where we were questioning for completely rightful and understandable reasons, should these games be played at all because of COVID? And because of so many other factors in terms of the budgeting of the Tokyo Games themselves. But these athletes go over, including 30 or so from the Philadelphia area. Talk about Randall Cunningham's daughter in track and field. From her to one of the greatest athletes that this area has also ever produced. Carly Lloyd from South Jersey. Her story competing in the Olympic Games. They didn't do what they were supposed to do theoretically. But then eventually her story ends in terms of her playing career. She had a fantastic farewell match here in Philadelphia before her last match with the U.S. women's national team 
which was held in Minnesota. Minnesota! You could not have given me a better atmosphere for one last game that I played tonight. It really means the world to me, everybody, the doubters, the critics, uh, everybody. I love you all. Um, you've pushed me to greater and greater heights throughout my career, and I'm extremely thankful for that. This is courtesy Fox Sports 1. We're not going to think of Carly Lloyd among the pantheon of the all-time greats, but in the sport of soccer, I would guarantee you that she is looked at by soccer heads the way, Jay, you mentioned Don Staley is here in Philly among hoops heads. I mean, soccer lovers, for example, back in my hometown, one of my best friends, her cat is named after Carly Lloyd. You, you, when you become that iconic in a particular sport, that kind of story happens over and over and over again because there's that much respect, that much love for what someone does on the field, as well as how they handle themselves, how they treat people and what they do off the field, off the court. Her story is a legendary one, along with all these other great Olympic athletes that we will pay attention to once every four years, but who are the best in the world at what they do. And so many have come from this Philadelphia area. I just felt like that was something that we didn't keep our eyeballs on. The other Jay, Jay Scott Smith, I'm glad that you brought up Dawn Staley because I know that these two have retweeted one another on Twitter. And this is going to be my story that was not talked about. And I, I didn't even think of it until just a couple of seconds ago after Jay brought up Dawn Staley. North Philadelphia's own Rutgers alum, Kalia Copper, WNBA Finals MVP for the Chicago Sky. Um understandably so, Candace Parker going home, bringing the Sky Championship, that that got the headlines. But Kalia Copper won finals MVP. She had a legendary image where she stared down an opposing Phoenix Mercury player. And then after the win, after they won the series, she had this great quote to Holly Rowe of ESPN. I can't repeat it because it's a bad word. But but she, Holly Rowe was, was bringing up how Kalia Copper put in all the time in North Philadelphia, growing up, going to work, uh, working on her game, and and you could see because they had to they had to uh, cancel it out on the air because she because she said a bad word, but she said I work so bleeping hard, and it it was it was great. It was a great Philadelphia quote, and it got me thinking. And I don't know if it's going to happen in 2022. I don't know if it's going to happen in 23. I don't know when it's going to happen. And Matt, I know you feel this way, and Jay and Jay and Brian, I'm sure you feel this way too. Philadelphia should absolutely 100% have a WNBA franchise, and it's mystifying to me why after 25 years of that league being in existence, that Philadelphia, why yes, it's a football town, when the Phillies are hot, it's a baseball town, but all the young basketball players that come up through Philadelphia in the high school ranks, in the college ranks, obviously the 76ers are very popular, have a long history here. Philadelphia should have a WNBA team. They'd be very popular amongst all the young basketball players in the area, and I simply don't understand why, why, it does, why it's not happened yet. I, I don't know. I, I think and somebody who has the means to do it, to start up an expansion franchise, if the league is going to have it, they should absolutely do it 
in Philadelphia because they would be very, very popular. Kalia Copper is my story from 2021 that did not get talked about as much as it probably should have. I love it. I love it and totally agree with you. Philadelphia should have been a founding city for the WNBA. I'm surprised there hasn't been one. Yeah. Uh, And and there have been a lot of cities that had them and lost them in that amount of time, and Philly somehow didn't get one. That is kind of surprising. Crazy. Crazy. Well, what, gents, would sports talk be if we would not live in the moment, if we abstain from living in the moment and didn't offer some takes whether they be bold or flimsy. So as we wrap this up and say sayonara to 2021, let us go around the horn one more time, and I will just uh, solicit the room for any thoughts, ideas, things that we might be talking about this time next year when we do the 2022 year-end, year-in-review sports roundtable here on the podcast. So I think that this could go one of two ways with the Eagles. Either we're going to be talking about it this time, December, a growing Eagles team in an NFC East run. Their three first-round picks, second year of Sirianni, assuming that Jalen Hurts remains the quarterback. A growing team, similar to the way that it was in Andy's, Andy's beginning and Donovan's beginning, a growing team. Or we'll be talking about an absolutely botched draft by Howie Roseman for the three first-round picks, which I think is unprecedented uh, in Philadelphia Eagles history. If they're not doing well, we'll be talking about it. So that's one of two ways for the Eagles. This, I'm I, I'm not going to say certain, because obviously I don't know. It's simply speculation. But I'm pretty confident that the Phillies will continue their playoff drought to 11 seasons, simply because of the moves that they've made pre-lockout um, the way that the rest of the National League East ha- shapes up, the defending champion Atlanta Braves. So I don't see the Phillies winning the National League East in 2022. And given that Joe Girardi is on the final year of his contract, he's got an option, but it wasn't picked up. Maybe it will, maybe it will. I don't know. I don't know how that works out. And not necessarily it'll be his fault. But being that he's at that stage of his contract... It would not surprise me in 2022, thinking that the Phillies will miss the playoffs again if the Phillies have a new manager at this point in 2022 after missing the playoffs once again. Um, Based on absolutely nothing but the randomness of sports, I think in 2022 somebody makes a run for all this talk about how disappointing in 2021 was. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody puts together a season that we talk about for a while in 2022. Perfect. We need more of that sunshine, rainbows, positivity here. <laughs> I dig. I would say sort of along those lines and sort of talking about what I mentioned with the what type of soils being set up with the rains that have come down on this city. I could go all with the Nick Sirianni flower motif with this, but I think what is going to happen in the post-Ben Simmons world of the Philadelphia 76ers is going to define what that franchise is going to be for the next five to six years. They have to get this trade right. They have to get not just the maximum that they can for him, but someone who I think could perhaps change the culture and could be a driving force for a championship. If they ace whatever they get out of this Ben Simmons trade, 
if they can get the kind of talent, but as well as the right mentality, and as sad as it would be for my hometown Milwaukee Bucks, a 76ers NBA Finals run, this town, and you know better than I do, this town would be hopping crazy. If they get it wrong, it will set the process back, maybe not to square one, but to a very short distance from there. This trade is going to define what this franchise is going to be for years to come, whatever comes of it. I think, yeah, the town's going to be hopping crazy one way or another. It's just going to be what type of hopping crazy. <laughs> I think it's a bad sign that, that Jay's uh, picture went off while he was talking about that. It's a bad omen for Ben. <laughs> and I, I guess here I'm going to use kind of a different set of law of averages. I have a weird feeling that the Phillies will find their way to the postseason next year. I would for, agree. For no other reason than Bryce Harper nearly single-handedly dragged them there with one of the worst bullpens I've ever seen. And yeah, they haven't made a lot of moves. I say this more because the guy that's running their team is Dave Dombrowski. I've seen him take a 119-loss team in Detroit and within three years have them in the World Series and have them on a decade-long run where they were perennial contenders in the American League. If the Phillies are anywhere within earshot of this thing, say like where they were at this point, like last year when they made that brief trip in the first place, they had a cup of coffee in first place for the Braves took over. If they're in that same vicinity, I don't think Dombrowski simply sits there with his hands in his pockets and they make a move. Because the Phillies, as we saw with the Braves this year, Braves were just as mediocre as the Phillies and Mets. And they made three moves, got three guys, including Jorge Soler, who in a home run I think is still flying through the state of Texas right now in the World Series, where they went from a mediocre team that had no business even making the postseason to storming through it and winning a world title. I'm not saying the Phillies win a world title, but don't be shocked if that team finds their way into the postseason next year, breaks the streak, and then begins to really build on that, kind of what the, what the Nationals did with Bryce Harper and eventually what Dombrowski did in Detroit all those years. That would be my thing. That and I... I see at some point Ben Simmons getting traded. I think that's a culture change, and it could turn out to be something for the better because, again, they were supposed to win it last year. It's going to be when you don't expect it. It's when you don't expect somebody to win is when that's when the money shows up. So that's – I think this city might be staring at something a little a little bit better than what we realize. It's just going to hit kind of out of nowhere like, wait, how did we get here? At least I just get this weird this weird vibe off of it. I'm with you, Jay. I've got similar feelings. I'm not sure what that's worth, but I just feel like the town is ready for the Phillies to to be back, to take over. I feel like there was enough good juju and good stories surrounding the Phillies where for the people who have followed through this downtime over the last decade, they're in the know and they get it, but I think there's some characters on that team finally where it's a club the city could really rally around. This city is hungry for a winner. I just remember that weekend when they overtook the Mets to take over first place. Yeah. And how on fire that stadium was for them. People are itching for something here, and you can feel it. When things go well in the city of Philadelphia, when it comes to sports or a team has a little bit of a shot, it's one of the loudest places I've ever been, and I've been in some loud buildings. There was a lot of optimism in the predictions. Sounds like 2022 is going to be a whole lot better than 2021 in Philadelphia sports. (laughs) It couldn't get worse. That's the thing is that I just look at it. It couldn't get any worse. For sure. 
for sure. Guys, great stuff. Thank you so much. Fair, measured, thoughtful, enjoyable roundtable. I will now yield the chair back to the man who occupies it every episode here on The Rundown, Jay Scott Smith. Guys, I greatly appreciate this. Any excuse I had to talk sports, I know we scared Sabrina right on out of here talking about this, <laughs> but any opportunity we get to talk sports, we'll certainly take it here. Dave Uram, how can people check out the work that you're doing? Tune in to Philadelphia's Morning News, uh, live uh, four mornings a week with Carol and Ian, and uh, anchoring Sunday mornings here on KYW. And check out our website, kywnewsradio.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Uram, M-R-U-R-A-M. The great Matt Leon. Sir, how can we check out what you're doing? Uh, best way, just follow me on Twitter at Matt Leon 1060 and Jay Sorgi, our first time, our first time champion here. How can we how can we find out what you're doing, sir? It's been great, Jay. You can see all the articles on kywnewsradio.com. In fact, we're gonna have a text version of the top 10 list of Philadelphia sports stories of the year, which Dave and Matt have put together, doing a fantastic job that's coming out in the next few days. And you can also follow me on Twitter at the letter J S O R G I. You guys all do great work, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time and joining us for this edition of The Rundown, which is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd Circa. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. My name is Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. I should spell that out. It's J A Y S C O two T's. S-M-I-T-H. That's real J. Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. You can hear me every afternoon on KYW News Radio starting at 3 p.m. for Philadelphia's Afternoon News on 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and right here on the Odyssey app, which is also, of course, where you find The Rundown. Follow us on Twitter at The Rundown, P-H-L, again, The Rundown, P-H-L, and you can listen for free on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcast. We want to thank you for taking your time to listen to this special sports year in review edition of The Rundown.